0: You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High fm In a good near of Shabbos, I'm Mashi Lipsker. Wonderful to be with you here on High fm And what a special time we find ourselves in. My husband and I were privileged to be at the graveside of the Rebbe on the day before the Yahrzeit, because, of course, the Yahrzeit was on Shabbos and actually to go there twice and to observe and to participate. And we've come back incredibly impacted, uplifted, full and so needing to share, to try and share some of what we experienced. It's no accident, nothing is not by divine providence that the Parsha's that are read at the time of the Yortzai of the Rebbe have so much to teach us about the life and the life's work of the Rebbe. In fact, the Holy Shalom says that the Parsha of the week is always connected to the events that happen during the time, and that in the Parsha one can learn practical things for life, for right now. The Alta Rebbe was once heard to say, Leben Mit one must live with the times. And from his holy brother, Rabbi Yehuda Leib, the Chzidim understood, he explained, that the Rebbe meant, Leben Mit one must live with the Torah reading, of the week, the portion of the week. The word Torah is from the word guide. It's a guide for life. It tells us what to do, how to do, when to do, where to do, with whom to do. And we need to live a Torah life, which means to fully interact with our environment, home, street, work, family, friends, social, business, with Torah's shining light, illuminating each and every incident, each and every event, each and every interaction, illuminating it with a godly light because nothing happens by accident not the Parsha that we read at the time that we read it, as it's connected to the events that are taking place all around us. And as mentioned last week, a Yorzai is a powerful day. And when the previous Rebbe passed away, and the chsidim asked the Rebbe, what do we do? And there were many instructions throughout that year, and certainly for the first Yurtzeit, that we take very much to heart, because these are words from the Nosy, from the leader, who explained and guided as to how we should approach these difficult times in life, times of change, times of transition, times of challenge. And one of the things that he said is that The practices of the Yorzeit should continue through the next week, especially on the Shabbos afterwards. And so we've been living very much this week with the very deep impact that the Rebbe has made on the world, world Jewry, the Holy Land of Israel, individuals, government officials, Jew and non-Jew, Chosid and non-Chosid. There was no one that the Rebbe didn't see, care about, give to, and incredibly believe in. He believed that there was tremendous and is tremendous potential in each and every one of us. And he tried so hard to help each one of us actualize our potential. Our life's mission. To live with passion. To live with joy. To live with purpose. And so when we look at the Parsha this week, which is Hukas, the Parsha Hukas begins with Zeus Hukas HaTorah. This is the statute. This is the legal decree. This is the mitzvah of the Torah. Is this the only mitzvah of the Torah, the mitzvah of the red heifer, a mitzvah that we can't even practically do right now? And yet the Torah says this is the mitzvah, mitzvah instruction, mitzvah connection, no logical reason given. Yes, there are three categories of mitzvahs, mishpatim, edus, Three types of laws. Civil laws, commemorative laws, and then there are the laws for which no logical reason is given. And the Hasidic insight is that this is the law of the Torah, that despite the fact that mishpatim civil laws appeal to logic, edus, commemorative laws, Reminding us of creation of the world, of Exodus from Egypt, etc. Appeal to logic, tradition. It's so interesting and it tells us where we come from. And chukim. No logical reason is given. It really doesn't appeal to our logical sense of reason by asking us to observe those kind of laws and calling them the rule of the Torah. Hashem is telling us that all mitzvahs should be kept in that way. All mitzvahs. First we need to do them. Then we need to study as much as we can about them. But ultimately we need to do them even after the study with the same passion. Beyond logic, above logic, the same devotion as we would to a law which is just the commandment of the king. In other words, there is a rational connection to God and then there's a suprarational connection to God. Which one is greater? Both are important. God gave us a mind as he gave us Arms, legs, vessels of action, a heart, a mouth, ears, and everything he gave us is meant to be used fully. Nevertheless, after we have explored the civil laws, after we have explored the commemorative laws and studied them to the best of our rational ability, they should all speak to us as mitzvahs of God not because they feel right, not because they appeal. We have to devote ourselves to them, whether or not they make sense to us. We have to invoke the essence of our neshama and connect to God on that level and observe these rules, whether or not they speak to our mortal sense of logic. And that is perhaps why, amongst other reasons, our Rebbe had the mitzvah campaigns as mentioned last week, because mitzvah doesn't just mean command, it means connection. And even one mitzvah that a person does once in his life connects him forever to the one above. Mitzvah do various things. One of them is, it reveals our inherent faith. All of us, we are told, are ma'aminim bene ma'aminim. We are believers, children of believers. We have an essential faith by virtue of the work that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did. They broke ground. They achieved great things and passed it on to their children after them. In our veins flow the blood. We have the DNA of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rochel, and Leah. Our job is to access and to nurture everything that we already are you know, to just really be ourselves. There's nothing more joyous than what we call to live your truth, especially when your truth is the truth. There's nothing more joyous than to be your true self. And the true self of a Jew is to be a believer. The last Hasidic discourse that the Rebbe distributed before He Had His Stroke, speaks to us about this generation. It speaks to us about the comfort of this generation, where, thank God, most of us live in free countries where we can choose to follow God's commandments, where we can opt for an observant way of life. But the trials and tribulations are different. Here in a comfortable way of life, we kind of very often fall into the trap of forgetting who we are. Whereas in Russia, and the Rebbe speaks about a talk of the previous Rebbe in 1927, when living as a Jew presented mortal danger. And he speaks there about a talk that the previous Rebbe gave publicly Knowing that there were the at that time the NKVD, NKVD forerunners to KGB agents in the room, and he said, "I'm not afraid of you." And he opened his shirt to expose his tallis cotton, his situs, and he said, "We will do what we have to do." And the main thing he spoke about was education of children the next generation. And at that time, there were people who gave their lives to live this type of life and to teach children and to teach adults who were like children in the amount of knowledge that they knew. And our job in this generation, says the Rebbe, is to reach out and to teach and to care and to know that our weapon is the most powerful weapon and that's God's mitzvahs. God's commandments are extremely potent to not just live and enjoy and keep for our own families the treasure that belongs to everyone, but to use the power of our generation Number one, the comfort, and very often affluence, and very often the most incredible, incredible inner strength that we don't know where we get it from, to actually care about others and to change this world one good deed at a time. And I want to share a story that I have shared. That in the early 40s, when the previous Rebbe had already come to America, he sent emissaries to some of the big cities. And some of his emissaries came to Chicago. And these emissaries, again, were to nurture the feelings of connection to Torah and mitzvahs, to Judaism, to Yiddishkeit, amongst others. And two of these students came to a businessman in Chicago, talked to him about the Rebbe's work, and explained to him that they were there because... And they thought of an example. He said, you know, in the olden days... There used to be a scribe, a sofer, who used to go from door to door checking the mezuzot. A mezuzah, the parchment on the door, needs to be checked. Minimum, twice in seven years. The mitzvah of mezuzah brings protection, even when the people are not in the home. Mezuzahs protect from all the things that shouldn't be there, God forbid. And, of course, God forbid someone is ill, the first thing we do is check the misselses with a proper cipher. We want to make sure the misselses are of good quality, kosher, that moisture and, and dryness and sun has, have not faded any of the letters or cracked the mezuzah. We want a proper cipher to come and check where the misselses are affixed. Every doorpost needs a mezuzah, except if it's a small cupboard, except if it's a shower, a bathroom, etc. But most rooms need mezuzahs, and the mezuzahs bring protection. Indoor rooms, outdoor doorposts. So these students were explaining to that man that they are like these scribes spiritually. And they said to him, because every Jew... It's like a mezuzah, and sometimes something becomes cracked or faded, so we're coming around to kind of help these things become whole again. The man was very interested, and he thanked them, and he was inspired. And afterwards, he wanted to write them a check, and they said, no, we're not here for money. We are here to give you these messages from our Rebbe." And it was a wonderful and warm visit. When they returned to the Rebbe in Brooklyn and they gave him a full report, the previous Rebbe said to them, it was a lovely analogy, but a little bit inaccurate. Every Jew is not like a mislutra of ink on parchment, which is two opposites that have been joined together that can, God forbid, part. Every Jew is like an engraved Mezuzah, if you will, like an engraved connection. There cannot be any parting. All that can happen is maybe a little bit of dust or dirt can blow into the cracks, obscuring the letters. With a little bit of blowing or washing, it's clean again. Because Torah and a Jew, the soul of a Jew, is absolutely one thing with the person we are like an engraved torah an engraved torah means that the torah and we are one thing as it says Yisroel kuchabrihu ve'eisa these three things are actually one and that's why the parsha this week speaks to us so deeply we are one with this concept and with the Torah itself. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. I'm Mashi Lipsker. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chukas. The Shabbos following the 25th Yort site of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And we are speaking about how a Jew is an engraved Torah. I said before an engraved missile, he's an engraved Torah. And an engraving means that the words and the stone are really one thing. It's not the joining of two opposites. That's the real us. And sometimes it becomes a little dusty, it becomes a little bit A little bit of dust, a little bit of dirt blows into the cracks. But the Torah itself is clear, sharp, pristine. The connection is absolute. And this idea is connected to the word chukas, chukah, chiseling or engraving. Because a letter that's chiseled into a block of stone is part of that stone, It's not something else that's grafted onto it, as would be in the case of ink on parchment, sorry, ink on parchment or ink on paper. You can't erase that letter, not without uh, wearing the stone away. The connection between the letter and the stone is permanent. It's immutable. And that's why this is also a perfect metaphor for the relationship that we have with Hashem. How do we invoke, feel, bring to the fore this relationship, this feeling? How do we start to feel our absolute connection with Him that cannot be revoked, that cannot be damaged, that cannot be changed? Something that overrides, transcends any logic. How? Well, it has to do with doing his mitzvahs. It has to do with becoming so inspired, not by studying, but by doing. Of course we want to study. We want to know where to go. We want to experience the richness of Torah. But we cannot wait until we understand to start doing And therefore, our job is to do. And of course, very often, it's not so comfortable. It's not me. I'm not that type, etc. Let it be for the rabbis. Let it be for the Rebbitzins. Let others do this. Well, in the Parsha, there's Hasidic insight into the idea of not doing even what's not our job, as it were. And we find it when Miriam passed away in the Parsha and there was no water and the people came to Aharon and Moshe. And the Rebbe explains that food nurtures the body, but the body needs water to absorb the nutrients in the food. Similarly, what is the spiritual water, the similar food? Well, the food is the Torah, and what's its water? What makes Torah assimilate into us, nurture us? Well, it has a water in it that actually influences every part of our personality. It's the water of Torah that actually affects every type of person, every type of experience. When we study the Torah, it has an impact on us. When we study the Torah, it applies to all aspects of our lives. When we teach it to other people, it actually has an incredible effect back on us. But let's go back to what happened when Miriam passed away. When Miriam passed away, something left. What was it? How are the waters of the well of Miriam and Miriam herself connected? And why would the Jewish people have had the well of Miriam or water in the desert throughout her lifetime in her merit? And so historically, when the Jewish nation was in Egypt, Miriam was the one who ensured that there would be a new generation, a new generation of Jews to carry on God's mission. She encouraged the Jewish people to continue having children and she saved their newborns from Pharaoh's harsh decrees. Because of her efforts, her efforts to ensure that the Torah would continue to flow into the next generation, a well of water sprang up in the desert, a well of flowing water, water, which is Tyra, and flows. And that well existed in her merit. Miriam and water. Miriam and flowing. Miriam and Tyra. When she passed away, Moisha had to assume her role. He was a man. He didn't have her womanly qualities, but he was a leader. And whatever was needed, Moisha was there to give. He assumed her role. He stepped forward with great self-sacrifice to be able to give the people water. And it teaches us. That when others are in physical or spiritual danger, no matter who we are, we must come to their aid. Even offering the kind of help that's not really our forte. The amazing thing is that when we help others, Hashem, God, will help us with all our needs. We all need nourishment. We all need our bodies to be strong, We all need food and water. We all need to be fully alive, passionate, driven, focused. And so despite our own taking in food and water, despite our own taking Torah and allowing it to nourish us, guide us, no matter who we are, At every stage and every challenge of life, we need to help others. And this is what the Rebbe did. The Rebbe once apparently told his secretary that if he had nothing for the next 10 years, he knew exactly how he would spend every minute. And we understand. The Rebbe's Torah genius. But the Rebbe's devotion to the people, like that of Moshe Rabbeinu, was total. No matter what happened, it was the people who came first to protect his flock. For he was a raya mehemna, like Moshe Rabbeinu was. In every generation, says the Zohar, there is a faithful shepherd. But Hasidic teaching also says it's not just a faithful shepherd, but a shepherd of faith. Someone who helps us to internalize to actualize the great faith that we all have, to internalize it so it really becomes part of us, and to help us shine with who we really are. You remember that story about the woman on the dollars line who finally came to see the Rebbe and said, Rebbe, you're much older than I am. I'm exhausted for the hour and a half I've spent online waiting to get the dollar. The Rebbe would give dollars so that people would give them away. For she said, how do you do it? The Rebbe could stand sometimes for six hours or more. And the Rebbe answered with a twinkle in his eye, when you're counting diamonds, you don't get tired. And so let's share an amazing thing that ap- actually personifies the Rebbe. There was a... Quite an experienced seasoned rabbi, a mov- motivational speaker who once came to see the Rebbe. And he shared his self-doubts. He said, look, I'm considered a gifted public speaker. I must have given a thousand talks. But I wonder how many of these talks actually hit home. I don't really see practical changes in the lives of my listeners. And the Rebbe said to him, our sages teach. Words that come from the heart enter the heart. If you speak sincerely and with passion, you can be assured that your words are going to enter people's hearts, whether or not you see it. But if you actually want to see the change you inspire in your audiences, I'm going to make a suggestion. Don't speak in abstract terms. Teach your audiences a practical Jewish tradition. Leave them with an actual point, even if it's only one thing, even if it seems small. That's how you inspire change. People love to listen to ideas. Oh, he spoke so well. But people are called. We, are, we live in a world of action, and people are called by action. People want to act. People want to do. People do. And so if you want to really motivate change, speak about an action, and that's what the Rebbe did. He would always leave the people, whether in a public talk, on a one-to-one, in one of his campaigns, with something to actually do and also to remember That every mitzvah we do nurtures us and nurtures our soul and our connection to God. And when your soul wakes up because it's being nurtured, it just wants more and more. And another wonderful story, a wonderful story where not to be worried about engaging with people, just know who you are. Um, there was this Israeli columnist who wrote in this in the still current Jewish newspaper called Algemeiner Journal, and he was sometimes quite um, given to his hostile views on religion. And they printed him, and uh, when the Reverend met him, he said to him, oh, "I read your column every week." The man was quite taken aback. And he said, am I to understand that the Rebbe agrees with my views? And the Rebbe responded with a smile. If I would only read what I agree with, I would read very little. And of course we have to remember in ethics of our fathers, the question is asked, who is wise? And what do our sages say? He who learns from everyone. Because everyone that God brings into our space, there are things we can learn from them. Let's remember to emulate the ways of this great man who cared and did something about the caring, not only to change lives, but through them to change the world. Let us remember each one of us is in this world chiseling, engraving, doing something permanent. Let's proceed with passion and with great, great joy, giving it all we've got so that soon, soon we'll be able to celebrate the ultimate joy with Mashiach. Good Shabbos.